stop bullying and shouting at the lower orders? Never! There's only one way to win a campaign. Shout, shout and shout again! This is Shot and Shield. Listening in Tokyo, Japan, Toledo, Ohio, and Manchester, England, I am your Marquis de Podcaster Lux, the Colonel of the Colonies, the Grand Duke Scott of the Duchy of Florida. This is the Shot and Shield Supercast a podcast dedicated to colonial and 19th century history and wargaming, a podcast meant to be listened to as you paint your figs and build your terrain. Heave! Put a bit more weight on that rope, you men! You haven't got a voice like a corporal. Sort of like a a female hippopotamus in labor. (laughs) Okay, look, I will let you know that this might be a little shorter show today. My throat is killing me due to all the glitter and dust at work over these last few weeks uh it's been nutty whenever christmas shows up uh i open a box and it's glitter 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 red and silver and gold glitter green glitter i got glitter everywhere i hate glitter i'll tell you something if glitter is found to cause cancer i am going to be rich i'm telling you anyway so some of the segments you've you're going to hear today may not sound like i sound at the moment because I recorded them earlier uh, in the in the month. So uh, I apologize if it's a little short, but I, I don't know what to do. Also, I must confess that uh, any free time that I can get has been spent painting and remounting figures. I, you know, for such a long time, I haven't had a goal outside of just finishing my project. You know, my project being the Wars of the Silk Road, but after hitting Huracan in late September, and finding a rule set uh, in uh, Blood and Steel, you know, something I can really sink into. I, I got to say, I got the bit between my teeth. I really do. I got the bit between my teeth. And I'm running and gunning to bring this project uh, to a conclusion and uh, getting it to recon in Orlando in April. So that's that it has been so, I've been like, that's the only, the only way I could describe it is I got the bit between my teeth. It's crazy. <laughs> it feels good, though. It feels good. <clears throat> Excuse me. Unfortunately, I'm not thinking about the podcast as much as I have been. <clears throat> so it, it doesn't mean I'm giving up on it. I'm not. I'm just balancing everything out. Besides, this episode is special in a way. It's been one year since I relaunched Shot and Shield into a supercast. So instead of doing a little little stuff here and there and try to find out how to make this work and everything. I just relaunched it into this you know, larger episode once a month. So uh, if you think I'd consider giving it up, you're crazy. So, but here we go. Here's the plan. Here's what I, here's what I got planned for you today. I have a different sort of movie review uh, for you today. I'm going to run down a TV miniseries called Edward the Seventh. Okay. Plus, I got this old-time radio discovery from 1937 from a classic author who wrote a classic story that was adapted for radio where the lead is played by a classic actor. And that's all I'm going to tell you. So you're going to have to just listen, and then you'll get to it, and you'll go, oh, that's nice. I'll bust out the top five answers from uh, last uh, episode's question, and I'll be breaking down and gaming the Anglo-Persian War of 1856. But first... I have some emails to answer. Germany calling, London calling, Moscow calling, Washington DC calling, Peking calling, Sydney calling. Message for you, sir. It's time to answer some emails. 
from all around the world. If you'd like to communicate with me, you could do it on Twitter at Shot and Shield in the Facebook group, the Shot and Shield Podcast Wargaming Group, or through email, the Shot and Shield Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, first email is from Teddy in Chicago, who listens to the show on Spotify. And Teddy writes, Lord Scott, I've played all your scenarios that you've provided in your show, but I was pretty disappointed when there wasn't one in the October Supercast. Are you not doing these anymore? Love the show. All right, Teddy. So look, the, the reason I didn't do it in the October Shot and Shield was just because I the, the new game system, it really kind of opened my mind and kind of, kind of, it's messing with me a little bit because I did everything through the men who would be kings, a little point system action. And now that I'm playing a Blood and Steel, which is a even more skirmish oriented, it's uh, really kind of messed with my melon. So I'm trying to come up with some scenarios that are more adaptable to everybody other than somebody with just one rule set. Because I think that's the, when I look back and I think about, you know, how to improve the program, when I look back, all of those scenarios are really just meant for that one, one rule set. I, it's going to be, it's very hard for me to adapt those to another rule set. So I, I felt like I kind of failed. And so what I don't want to do is I don't want to continue to do that and just make it so only a few of you can run these scenarios because the whole point was that all of you could run these scenarios if that's what you wanted to do. Obviously, you know, you're all smart, all smart people, so you can adapt them how you wish. But in the end, I want to make it as easily adaptable as possible. So I have some ideas. I'm working them out. And um, I was trying to, I was going to try to have one for this episode, but I just, you know, with the voice, I just trying to keep it as minimal as possible. So I hope that answers your question, Teddy. I haven't given up on it. You're going to get one. Um, maybe I'll put it in a special uh, once I feel a little bit better, the voice feels a little bit better. But in the, in, in the meantime, that's what I got. Uh, next email is from Marlon in the Middle East. And Marlon writes, Scott, I am a New Yorker working in Israel. I was wondering if you are ever going to talk about or discuss the Maori Wars or the Dutch in the East Indies. I love gaming those and would love to hear your take. Please consider it. Thank you. I will consider it. I, I have to tell you, I don't know much about the Maori Wars or the Dutch in the East Indies other than what I've, a little bit I've read. So in this, case, in this case, I'd probably like to get an expert on to talk about that when I'm able to get to, when I, once the throat gets better. You see what I'm saying? So yeah, so yes, that's going to happen. I don't know when. But when I do, I'm going to have an expert on to talk about some of these uh, some of these areas that I don't know a lot about because I don't want to give you uh, any wrong information, or at least intentionally. Uh, so, Marlon, thank you very much for the email. Um, I have received a bunch of responses to my segment on gambling and wargaming. Uh, so I'm just going to read you one of the, I think I got like 15, almost 20 uh, emails just cause, just on this right here. Usually I, I'll, I'll get a bunch of emails, but it'll be like one or two or three or four, but not on the same subject. So this is this was interesting. Uh, this is from Derek in New Jersey. And Derek says, Scott, I think you and your guest Claude were very thoughtful in your conversation regarding gambling and wargaming. I don't think you were aware of how much there is. My club 
I'm sorry, let me reread that. My club, oh, my club and I always put down a few dollars on the outcome of a game, but the winner is actually the loser. The loser of the game has to take the money and buy the beer and fill the fridge at our club. Thought you'd like to know, great program. Thank you, uh, Derek, for the compliment. Uh, That is a different take for sure, that the the loser of the game has has to fill the fridge. So that's that's one way of doing it. Actually, I, I like that. If you're playing a game, any of the guys on the losing side, you got to fill the fridge, you got to uh, pay the lights, paint the fix. I, there's there's something that you could do. So maybe it's not just money based, but um, but actually something else. So that's that's Derek. You know that that's pretty cool. I I, I appreciate that. That's that to me. That seems a lot better. Uh, just uh, winning some cash. In this case, you're doing something for the club. You know, and then the loser has to be the one to do it for the club. So that's that's cool. So nice job, Derek. Uh, still to come, we're going to hit the top five. That's next on Shot and Shield. This is Shot and Shield. Oh, oh, honor is satisfied. God clearly preserves you for greatness. From the land of the audio to the world of the visual, the Shot and Shield podcast is on YouTube. I use YouTube for supplementary information, such as watch-along videos, documentaries of interest, movies that I find that uh, best represent colonial or 19th century inspirations or gaming, and eventually video from interviews that I've uh, already done and that you've heard on the podcast. Just search out, in parentheses, Shot and Shield. You got to put the parentheses in there, parentheses, Shot and Shield, and parentheses, and you'll find it on the YouTube. There's also a link on the podcast info page. So check it out and subscribe to Shot and Shield on YouTube. And the Lord spake saying, shalt thou count to three, no more, no less. Three shall be the number thou shalt count, and the number of the counting shall be three. Four shalt thou not count, neither count thou two, excepting that thou then proceed to three. It is time for the top five reveal. Five? Is right up. In the October Supercast, the top five question was, if you were to start gaming the Scramble for Africa, which conflict would you start with? I set up some basic answers to the poll and asked you to add your own if you didn't see one you liked. You did. There were some good ones on there. So let's get into it. Here are the top five answers as chosen by you, the Shot and Shield listener. Number five. The Moroccans versus the Spanish. Number four. Got a three-way tie. The Herreros versus the Germans. The Zanzibaris versus the Belgians. And the Dahomey versus the French. Number three. A two-way tie. The Boer versus the British. And North Africa versus the French. Number two. The Sudanese versus the British. And number one. The Zulus versus the British. I will say, I kind of was not surprised that this was number one. I personally, I personally chose the Dahomey versus the French because 
it's an out of the way a place, the out of the way in nature, the the terrain. It's a bizarre theater, so you know all the things I like. I was surprised. I will tell you this. I was surprised that the Ethiopians versus the Italians scored so low. Uh, they didn't even make it into the top five as a tie or anything. So I was kind of surprised by that. But there you go. The reveal, the top five from last month's question. If you were to start gaming the scramble for Africa, which conflict would you start with? And you answered. With the number one answer being the Zulus versus the British. The new top five question is on the Shot and Shield podcast war game group Facebook group right now. You know, if you're not a member, go be a member and then get in. Let your voice be heard. This is Shot and Shield. You don't think I, too, dream of peace? You don't think I, too, yearn to end this damn dirty job we call soldiering? Frankly, no. Hi, I'm famous podcaster and influencer, Sir Scott. And when I was young, my analyst said that I had an overactive imagination. I mean, he was a financial analyst, but he was still right, okay? Now, as a kid, I would always see my G.I. Joes capture tigers, excavate treasures, or elude dangerous snakes. And I would lose myself in Adventures of Tarzan, in Flash Gordon, and Conan. Old-time radio always had that magic that could transport you to different times and transport you to different worlds. And now I offer you a podcast filled exclusively with adventures in audio. Search and subscribe to Vintage Radio Adventures, found on most podcast apps, That's Vintage Radio Adventures. Shot and Shield. What are you looking at? It's time for Shot and Shield Movie Review. You gentlemen visiting Denmark, are you? Yes, we are. I am uh, Alexander, Tsar of Russia. This gentleman is the Prince of Wales. I see. And uh, you, sir, who might you be? I might be, and I am King George of the Hellings. Ah. Yes. You know who I am, gentlemen? Know who I am? Napoleon Bonaparte. (laughs) In this episode's movie review, I'm going to take a small left turn. I found this miniseries called Edward VII, which consists of 13 episodes from 1975, and I'm guessing that it was shown on BBC during this time. And some of you are probably going, oh yeah, no, I've seen that, I saw it then. (laughs) Or you might say, hey, you know what, I've seen it too. If you haven't, it's a dramatic account of the life of Edward VII and how he was controlled by his mother, Queen Victoria, and his father, Prince Albert. It seems to be a very fair account of his life. I say that I don't know a lot about Edward VII other than what I saw during this miniseries, okay? 
it seems to me that they that the producers and directors really did a fair account of his life because it takes it takes in all his womanizing as well as his reform nature and his loyalty to Great Britain. And although there's no real intrinsic value to help us be better gamers, it's not like we're going to see a uniform or see a, a battle or anything like that. But I found it was really nice to have on while I was painting. I still do not understand why he did not believe us. Does he think that kings and princes have two heads or so? It would have been all right if Bertie hadn't insisted on calling him emperor all the way home. <laughs> the other thing about this series is it is chock full of great actors. Edward is played by Timothy West, which he's amazing. Queen Victoria is played by Annette Crosby. Michael Horden plays Gladstone. Michael Byrne from, from the Sharp series, he played the German reformer king and Wilhelm uh, Kaiser Wilhelm's father. Richard Vernon, he played Lord Salisbury. Harry Andrews, who is it was in 55 Days of Peking. He plays young Edward's tutor, Colonel Bruce. John Gielgud is in this also, and he plays Benjamin Disraeli like an expert. When I see Benjamin Disraeli now, I see John Gielgud. Ah, Prime Minister. Good evening, Lord Randolph, Lord Blanford. Good evening. I must congratulate you, Mr. Disraeli, on a splendid majority. Uh, how many? Enough, I fancy, enough. Fifty <laughs> overall. Don't be taken in, my dear fellow. The Prime Minister is delighted with the result of the election. We all are. <laughs> it came in good time. Ah, uh, I think they've stopped playing. Uh, not for long. The prince is in good form tonight. They'll go on until the small hours. Oh, dear. Now, what's the matter, Prime Minister? Don't you like a good party? I must confess I find the band a trifle noisy. <laughs> Russians seem to be enjoying themselves. I hope so. That, after all, is why we're here. Indeed. Oh, yes. This is all in their honour, you know. You remember that row over Prince Alfred's fiancée? The Grand Duchess Marie? Yes. The Russians wanted her given precedence over the Princess of Wales. The devil they did. The Queen soon put a stop to it, of course. But I gather the Tsar was somewhat offended. <laughs> the Grand Duchess was badly advised. I dare say. Anyway, this is the Prince's way of healing the breach. I see. Clever of him. Good. Very good. Ah, Bertie. It is most diplomatic. <laughs> What's that about our Bertie? You taking my name in vain, Randy, you old fox. Lord Randolph was just explaining to me, sir, your reason for inviting the Sarevich and his wife to this country. <laughs> Stupidly, I hadn't realized that this ball was in their honor. Oh, I see. Yes, well, can't stand family rows, never could. Your Royal Highness found the farewell ceremonies for the Shah of Persia tiring. Yes, I did, and not only the farewell ceremonies, the whole damn visit. Thank God he's gone. <laughs> he was quite a fellow, you know. They say he even paid a visit to Madame Hamilton. Probably felt more like home. <laughs> yep. The country is in your debt, sir. He cannot have been the easiest of guests. Oh, I quite enjoyed myself, really. After all, someone had to entertain the poor beggar. <laughs> I feel sure Her Majesty must have appreciated your acting as host to His Excellency. Yes, I dare say. Uh, Edward Hardwick from uh, Sherlock Holmes. Francesca Anis, she was in Dune, the first one. Terence Hardiman, uh, and a young, young Charles Dance, you know, obviously from Game of Thrones. The, he's in the series as well. There's one actor, I've never seen him before until now, Christopher Neem. He plays Kaiser Wilhelm. And let me tell you, this dude's a great actor. You know how I could tell this? Because he made me hate the Kaiser so much, I wanted to skip the scenes. I just wanted to go right over the scenes. Every time he came on, I just was like, oh my God, I can't stand this guy. But to me, that's Christopher Neem just playing a great part. I'm sorry, Uncle Betty. I seem to have got you into a bit of trouble. Never mind. It's been a 
splendid day. Well, let's have dinner. I'm starving. Oh, he's insufferable, impossible. I've had about as much as I can stand today. He seems to think he's running the regatta. So many good actors. Such a great watch. The story is interesting. I can't say that it's purely an historical account. If it is, then I was not aware that Queen Victoria could be that petty or that Prince Albert was that controlling. I think that it did probably accurately show Edward needing something to do, not just to help him feel useful or part of the empire, but also to keep him out of trouble with the ladies, right? I'm bored, bored, my dear Charles. She gives me nothing to do. She refuses to let me play my part. Well, have you actually written to Her Majesty, sir? Written to her? I've spoken to her. I begged her to give me a proper job, and she won't listen. Apparently, she feels I'm not responsible enough. I lack gravitas. I understood there was some talk of you going to Ireland. Oh, yes, yes. Gladstone wanted me to go to Dublin as the Queen's permanent representative, but she wouldn't hear of it. I can't say I'm altogether sorry. It's not really the sort of thing I'm after. Now we have a new government, I dare say it'll be dropped altogether. Yeah. How do you find Mr Disraeli, sir? Disraeli? He's a tricky devil. I never quite know where I am with him. But still, I like the man. Perhaps he'll have some ideas. Sir. No, I doubt it. Don't think he altogether trusts me. Sir? But it's not his fault or Gladstone's. It's the Queen. I cannot understand it. I was trained for 20 years, made to work, to study, all day, every day, because one day, as my father never tired of reminding me, much would be expected of me. All that effort, all that work, for what? Nothing. Nothing is expected of me because I am given nothing to do. It is very frustrating, sir. Do you know, Charlie, if I don't find something soon, I think I'll go mad. I will, you know. If she doesn't change her mind and give me something to do, I'll go stark staring mad. Okay, so look. As I said earlier, you're not going to get a lot of wargaming stuff out of this miniseries. However, the reason I bring it up and present it to you is for flavor. As you and I sit down to work on our 19th century hobby, a series like this helps create the flavor of the time. If I'm not listening to some old radio shows or music or podcast while I paint, I'm going to put on a movie of the period. And why? Because it sets the mood for what I'm doing while I'm working. So this I found, this miniseries was just that type of deal. I sat down to paint, I put the miniseries on, and I just painted. And that's all I did. And it just gave me the flavor of the time. This is the most painful occasion on which I shall ever be called upon to address you. My first and melancholy duty is to announce to you the death of my beloved mother, the Queen. And I know how deeply you, the nation, and I think I may say the whole world, sympathize with me in the great loss that we have all sustained. My constant endeavor will be to walk in her footsteps. I was christened Albert Edward in the expectation that, as Albert Edward, I would come to the throne. However, I am resolved to be known by the name of Edward, which has been borne by six of my ancestors. In doing so, I do not undervalue the name of Albert, which I inherit from my great and wise father, but by universal consent, he is known as Albert the Good, and I desire that his name should stand alone. I trust to Parliament and the nation to support me in the arduous duties which now devolve upon me by inheritance and to which I am determined to devote my entire strength throughout what remains of my life. We therefore do now with one voice and consent of tongue and heart publish and proclaim that the high and mighty Prince Albert Edward 
is now, by the death of our late sovereign of happy memory, become our only lawful and rightful liege lord, Edward VII. By the grace of God, King of the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Ireland, Defender of the Faith, Emperor of India, God save the King. So in this episode of the Shot and Shield Supercast, I present to you the 1975 miniseries Edward VII. Now, you can find all the episodes on the Shot and Shield YouTube page. If you decide to watch, please let me know your thoughts in the comment section underneath each episode. This is Shot and Shield. Good luck against those elephants. Shot and Shield is on social media. There's the Twitter page, at Shot and Shield. Please follow. There's a Facebook group, the Shot and Shield Podcast Wargaming Group. It's open to all. Please join and post some of your amazing games, paint jobs, and creations. Finally, the email, shotandshield at gmail.com. Email me if you have a question or a thought or even a complaint that you'd like read and answered on the podcast. Shot and Shield is on social media. This is Shot and Shield. Honey ho, tip, tip, from Bernard's your uncle. Thank you, thank you, thank you for continuing to listen to Shot and Shield, the Supercast, the November edition, the anniversary November edition of Shot and Shield. Now, in this episode, I did want to take a a little bit of time and talk about gaming the Anglo-Persian War of 1856. This is something that, uh, you know, I've I've done a little studying on um, because I do want to play this uh, scenario as part of my Wars of the Silk Road project. Now, as you may or may not know, it comes uh, at a time when the great game is really starting to kick in between Great Britain and Russia, right? It also sees the French attempting to flex their diplomatic muscle now that Napoleon III has come to power. I find this offshoot of the great game extremely interesting. Plus, it also satisfies my craving for that uh, bizarre out-of-the-way theater. You feeling me? So before I get into it, I do want to mention that I'm not a historian. I'm an amateur at this. So if I miss a few facts here and there, or I misrepresent something that uh, it's not intended at all, and uh, you know, there's a lot of sage people who are listening there like, okay, that's not right, or that's not right, or whatever, okay? So quickly, I want to get into it just a, just a little bit, a little bit of backstory here. Uh, Persia was considered a buffer state between the interests of Britain and the interests of Russia. And from my reading, the Qajar, which was the ruling family of Persia, was taking advice and aid and arms from the British, the Russians, and the French. Now, roughly, the Six-Month War started because the Persians, under the Qajar dynasty, felt they needed to solidify their influence over the old Silk Road trading uh, city of Herat. Now, the Khanate, or the Kingdom of Herat, was one of the three main Afghan Khanates, or kingdoms. Uh, the other two being the uh, Kingdom or Khanate of Kandahar or, and the Khanate of Kabul. The Khanate of Herat had been around since about 1793, and it had mostly been under invasion from Persia for years. And the only difference this time in the invasion of Herat was the presence of the Russians. The British had to step up on the side of Herat or face what was thought to be a more Russian-influenced area closer to India. The British said no way, they attacked, and the Persians lost. 
Now, if you're into doing some big battles uh, and this is something you want to try, there's a few notable conflicts inside the Anglo-Persian War of uh, 1856. There's uh, the Battle of Hoshabad, the Battle of Bushir, and the capture of Borjan. And those three are about it for the really big uh, battles. The reason I want to get into it with my Silk Road project is because the uh, the idea of the skirmish in this, because of the size of the units, I think it's really, really, it's primo, because you don't need to have like a lot of figures to really kind of bust out uh, some of these conflicts. But if you're into the big monster battles, like you want to do something in 15 mil, these three battles, the Battle of uh, Koshab, the Battle of Bushir, and the capture of Borjan, I think uh, those those do you really good. As far as the dispensation of troops, and you're let's say you're planning to, you know, do this as as historically accurate as possible. Here are some of the units. I'll cover the British first. Uh, you're looking at the 14th King's Light Dragoons, the 78th Highlanders, the 23rd Native Light Infantry, the 26th Native Infantry, Jacob's Sind Horse, uh, the 4th Bombay Rifles, the Madras Sappers and Miners, plus you got some artillery uh, and a contingent of European-trained Native troops. So you have, you know, historically you have some really kind of really fine units to uh, choose from. As for the figures and the sculpts, I think they're pretty easy to find. I know in 28 mil, uh, you can you can find those pretty easily, and I want to say probably in 15 mil, but a 172nd and 54 mil for those of you who are inclined. Uh, I can say that most every miniature company produces figs for the Indian Mutiny, which is happening about the same time some of the figs you would need for this conflict, the Anglo-Persian War, uh, you're, you're going to need those. And they're, they're, they're uniformed exactly the same way. Remember, all of these British troops are coming from India, so it makes sense that no miniature company is going to specifically do figs for the Anglo-Persian War when you're sitting there with the Indian Mutiny figs. You feeling me? Now, for the British, some suggestions uh, would be Iron Duke or Foundry. I personally think Iron Duke would be better because of the size. It'll match well with the size of the Persians because there are not a lot of companies that make Qajar Persians. Uh, with that said, you know, hey, let's let's talk Persians, okay? Right, so when researching my own Persian field force, I found the regiments and the battalions particularly interesting. You have units that are named after the towns the troops come from, or the, you know, like the regiment of Kalsah, or the 4th Regiment of Tabriz, the 1st Regiment of Shiraz, or you have the personal guard, as in the uh, Shah Selman Regiment, or the area or tribe the troops are coming from, such as the 1st Arab Regiment, the Eel Yacht Horse, and the Afshar Cavalry. And finally, you have holdover units from previous dynasties, such as the Tofanchi Infantry, which are roughly musketeers. So there's some really interesting stuff here. Now, I did probably just kill all those names 
because it hurts my brain. So I'm not going to kill you with the details because I think there's enough books out there that uh, can go over this a little more de- with more detail. Also, if you need just basics, there's always Wiki to roll to. All right. Now, l- let me talk about the companies that make Kajar Persians. I only know of two that do 28 millimeter. I want to say that uh, maybe maybe Old Glory does 20 millimeter, and I know that there's a company that does 15 millimeter. I can't think of it offhand. I want to say um, Corasian. Does that sound correct? You're, you're probably looking at me going, really, Scott? You didn't uh, you didn't think about this beforehand before you started talking about it? No, I didn't. You know why? Because I don't do 15 mil. <laughs> Sorry. All right. So, but I know this. I know two companies that do 28 millimeter. One is Irregular Miniatures, which, you know, they're decent. And they do uh, different forms. They do Infantry Cavalry. They do the Camel Gun Troops, the Artillery. So they do a pretty good job of uh, a wide range. The other is Westphalia Miniatures, which is now owned by Black Husser out of Germany. Those are the ones that I have. And I will tell you, they are sharp. They are very, very sharp. They're nice. There's not a lot of not a lot of movement in the figure. You know how you have a figure, it has a lot of like action to it or a lot of animation to it. These these just don't. They they stand there. They're either marching very slowly or they're just standing there. And you know, where you're not getting a lot of action or animation in the figure, but the sculpt, they're a joy to paint, and the sculpt is fantastic. And they're a good size. So, like I said earlier with the British getting something from Iron Duke is going to fit well with the size of these from uh, Black Husser. Now, you could also use Egyptians from Perry Sudan series if you'd like to play Persians in a later part of the 19th century. Uh, just as a note, just putting that in the back of your head. Uh, but for me, though, it's the Black Husser all the way. A great size. As I said, they match up well with the British uh, figs from Iron Duke. So finally, let's talk terrain. In this part of the world, you're looking at a terrain that's rocky and barren and sandy, very much like uh, Afghanistan. That's until you get nearer to the uh, the larger bodies of potable water, like rivers. Then it'll it'll green up some. As for buildings, I think you're safe to use common Middle Eastern buildings. Although I did find on Etsy. I did find some some Persian statues uh, for my terrain uh, set. That is just that's just going to make the whole terrain pop. So so you might want to look around. Just just type in you know Persian statues into uh, Google or wherever you or Yahoo or whatever you use and see what comes up because there there's some really nice stuff that's going to make your your board just kind of pop out. I'll give you a suggestion there. And if you go to the Shot and Shield Podcast Wargaming group on Facebook, I'll have a resource guide posted and pinned if you're interested. So there you go. There's my suggestions for gaming the Anglo-Persian War of 1856. This is Shot and Shield. Oh, damn. So I'm going to get a little serious for a second. If you're like me and you're disturbed by what's going on in Ukraine, and you're thinking, what can I do? This happens a lot when the world is faced with tragedies like this. 
You and I have friends in Ukraine, fellow gamers, artists, sculptors, businesses that we've come to know over the years. And outside of wishing them well and hoping they are safe, there are ways you can help. For instance, UNICEF has set up a site to help children. Nova Ukraine helps with humanitarian aid. There is doctorswithoutborders.org, rescue.org, and icrc.org, all of whom are helping people in Ukraine. The one which I most admire is World Central Kitchen, wck.org. They've helped in Haiti, in the Middle East, in Asia, anywhere where people need food. And they're set up right now in Ukraine and around Ukraine to help. I'm not using this platform to ask you to help. I'm using this platform to provide you information if you decide you want to help. What are you waiting for? Come on, come on. Shot and Shield, your colonial wargaming podcast. The 19th century ended amid the glories of the Victorian era. Shot and Shield, a podcast dedicated to wargaming the colonial era. In those aristocratic Victorian days, when, as Disraeli said, the world was for the few and for the very few. The views expressed during Shot and Shield are the hosts and only meant to be taken seriously if you feel it's necessary. Good luck against those elephants. And now, Shot and Shield. Today, yours truly, the Lord Scott, your humble servant, has dug into the old-time radio archives and emerged with a classic story from a classic writer with a classic actor in the lead. In this episode of the Shot and Shield podcast, it's the classic of Farewell to Arms by Ernest Hemingway, with the lead being played by Clark Gable. This version of A Farewell to Arms was performed in 1937 on the Lux Radio Theater. If you don't know the story, it's about an American ambulance driver in Italy during World War I where he is wounded and falls in love with his nurse. An excellent story, so grab your nearest pot of paint, put on your reading glasses, Make sure your light is just right, perfect on the spot, and start to paint. I present to you a farewell to arms. Greetings from Hollywood, ladies and gentlemen. Twenty years ago tonight in Washington, a group of weary statesmen left the council chambers of the nation, knowing that when they returned, they must feel a declaration no longer avoidable. On the following day, April 6, 1917, word went round the world that the United States had entered the war. There were those who had not waited. Among them, 19-year-old Ernest Hemingway, who had joined the Italian army. He emerged at the struggle's end with four possessions. On his chest, two medals for valor. In his shoulder, a silver plate, replacing what steel had carried away. In his mind, a story that cried out to be written. Basing the tale largely on what his war-weary eyes had seen, he labeled it a farewell to arms. The world accepted it as one of the most graphic, true, and tender accounts of the conflict. Lawrence Stallings adapted it for the stage, and it came to still greater glory on the screen. For many months, we've aspired to bring a farewell to arms to the audience of the Lux Radio Theater, but patiently waited until we could announce the stars whom we present tonight. Clark Gable as Lieutenant Henry, Josephine Hutchinson as Catherine Barclay, Adolf Mongeau as Rinaldi, the same role he played in the picture and Jack LaRue as Father Romano, the party created for both play and screen. 
In his story, I don't think it was Mr. Hemingway's intent, nor is it ours, to point a finger at how the war began, nor how it ended. After 20 years, we've forgotten a lot. Perhaps it's just as well. But tonight at least, let us remember brave men and lost lovers. As we dedicate this tale to those ordinary human beings caught in war's relentless circumstances. And now, the Lux Radio Theater presents Clark Gable, Josephine Hutchinson, Adolf Manjou, and Jack LaRue in a farewell to arms. down toward a plane. Three ambulances, freighted with wounded, growl unsteadily forward. Frederick Henry, in the uniform of an Italian lieutenant, his steel helmet half down over his face, dozes beside Bonelli, the driver of the last ambulance. Accidente, you hungry gun. You steal the ground. Get off my lap, you're drunk. Tenente Frederico, wake up. Buy me a dark one. I don't want blondes. I like brunettes. Please, please, Tenente Frederico, wake up. What's that? Oh, oh, Benelli. Are we at the hospital yet? No, Tenente, but you were sleeping and you thought. Oh, did I? Well, what did I say? What did you... <laughs> you Americanos find pleasure no matter where you are. You have been dreaming about the girls again. Oh, then I show good sense even in my sleep. What else is it to dream about? Think war all the time, Benelli, and you'll blow out your brains. Those are men in the back. Why do they not keep a quiet? I know what he wants. What is the matter with your back of that? I'm getting you to the hospital as fast as I can. I can't stop. Nothing here. The brakes won't hold. Poor devil, he's dying. He's well off, but he doesn't know it. Ah, uh, see, Tenente. Don't hang on, hang on, little Drake. Throw your engine wide open. If we crash, it won't make matters much worse. What, Tenente? Drive faster. We can get down there in no time. Then you can help a man meet death. You have orders, Tenente. Well, what'd you stop for? We have run off the road, Tenente. Get back there and see if you can help that fellow. See, Tenente. Hey, you. You over there with the fence. Ah, uh, see. Which way is Garizia? Oh, back one mile. He turned to the left. What's the matter with you? Sick? Oh, see. Where's your regiment? Up there where you come from. Into the line again. In what way are you sick? Oh, I, I hurt my leg tonight. Oh, yeah? Oh, it is true. It can me to walk. Yes, if you're walking toward the trenches. But if you were walking away from them, you could walk all right, couldn't you? Oh, please, Tenente. Be merciful. Take me back to the hospital. I can't go up there again. Oh, Mother Mary, I can't. I don't blame you. It's tough luck, soldier, but there's nothing I can do for you. I won't go. No, no, I won't. None of they shoot me. Keep away from the Tenente. Oh, no, he's all right. He's a crazy. The Tenente can shoot him if he wants to. But I don't want to. I know how he feels. Tenente, oh, please help me. Well, there's only one way I can help you. Benelli, huh? the man who was dying, how is he? Dead. He's lucky. All right, soldier, turn around. Turn. Stay down. Oh, see, Tenente. Now. 
Tenente, you club him on the skull with your revolver. Look, he's a bleeding. Sure, we can take him back this way. Get rid of your dead man, put this one in his place. Tenente, that is why you hit it. War's a rotten business, Benelico. Come on, put him in the back. Let the Red Cross look good, see? Yeah, that's about perfect. Come on. <laughs> there will be pretty nurses here, Tenente. Brunettes? Ah, they are always brunettes. Yeah, I'll believe that when I see them. Hey, Orly. Yes, Lieutenant? We have wounded out there. But we are English, Lieutenant. I'll inform the Italian unit. It's in the other wing. Well, thanks. Hey, Benelli. Hmm? Look at that girl going down the hall. See her? But she's not brunette. Oh, she's darn pretty, though. What the devil is she crying about? I go see about the men, Tenente. Yeah, okay. Oh, nurse. Nurse. What is it? Hey, tell me something, will you? What's the matter with that girl going down the hall crying? Well, if you must know, they're sending her back home. Home? Well, people don't generally cry when they're sent home, do they? Would you cry? If I were in her place. She was married just a few days ago, and they found out about it, and they discharged her. Oh, that's different. All war is different, isn't it? Things happen that never could happen except in war. Right. She's worked like a slave, day after day giving every ounce of her strength. She won't go to hell for finding a few minutes of happiness. Why couldn't they let her stay for a while? Regulation. Precisely. She married him, so she has to leave him now. Go back to England and leave him here to die by himself. Without comfort, without... Nurse? Back to your post, please. Yes, Miss Smith. Wait a minute. Who are you? <laughs> that doesn't matter much when a girl's heart is breaking. Does it? It matters to me. First of all, you're brunette. What's more important, though, you're real. Nurse! I'm coming. I'll see you again. Will you? Nurse! What is it, Miss Smith? Hey, baby! Ronaldi! <laughs> you old sobo! I am very happy to see you. Finally you turn up, eh? Hey, listen, Ronaldi. Who is that nurse just turning into that ward? <laughs> you still recognize the beauty. Who huh? is she? Miss Catherine Barclay. I like her myself. Did you bring me some good cases, baby? She's a regular. Why are you under fire? I have worried about you. Barkley. That sounds English. Seven operations today, baby, and one of them was beautiful. I took the heart out. A nurse, but still human. The heart lay in my hand. It was lovely. Soon, Rinaldi will be the best surgeon in all the corps. Then in all the army. Someday in all of Italy. What's that? The best surgeon in all Italy. Well, why not in all the world? Well, why not? <laughs> you haven't changed, have you? Nothing changes in these days except the front-line trenches. You will like it here, baby. I've started to like it already. Miss uh, Catherine Barclay. She's huh? gorgeous. The English nurses are always gorgeous. But she is the most beautiful than any of them. I am in love with her. Oh, does she know it? Uh, not yet. Uh, have you any money? What? Oh, uh, a little. Well, it will be enough. Uh, lend me 50 lire. What for? Well, I must make on Miss Barclay the impression of a man of sufficient wealth. Now, wait a minute. But I must convince her that the great Rinaldi, who will one day become the greatest surgeon in the world, is even greater than he really is. You are my good friend and financial protector. <laughs> Rinaldi, you're crazy. Yes, but you lend me the lire. Oh, Lord, what else can I do? Ah, the last detail is perfect. Now we can eat and drink, and then I have an idea. Tonight at the mess. I won't be at the mess. But you will when I tell you. A special occasion. Song, wine, a beautiful girl. I will see that you need... Hey! Hey, it's an air raid. They bomb us. Watch out for your gentlemen. It's in my face. Steady, everyone. Steady. The Barclay. The 
Father Romano, you come to the mess hall tonight? Yes, Rinaldi. Look at that soldier. That's so close. Yet he sings. <laughs> he has no idea how close he is to death because of his singing. <laughs> it is well you can laugh, Rinaldi. Well, if we fail to laugh, poof, we go mad. Ah, here comes the baby. Hello, Father Romano. Oh, Federico, you're back safe. I am glad. Yes, I'm not sorry. Father Romano prayed for you while you were away, Frederico. Every time you go up, he does the same. Oh, I pray for you all. And behold, here you are. Come, Frederico. I promised you something this evening. They are outside. Oh, suppose we stay in here. I'm tired. Father, are there any reports on who was killed by the bombs? And the good father was with us. No lives lost? Not one. Wounded? A few. Was, was one of them a nurse? No, Frederico. So you see, baby, there is no need to be so sad. Besides, we are going outside. All right. I'll see you later, Father. I will be here, my son. Frederico, look. Over there by the door. The sparkly. And Miss Ferguson, Frederico. They are waiting for us. Come. Hey, Rinaldi, what's the idea? Well, you gave me 50 years. We have won the big time, eh? Good evening, Miss Barclay. Good evening, Doctor. How are you, Lieutenant? I'm glad to find you're safe. And, Frederico, this is Miss Ferguson. How do you do? How do you do, Miss Ferguson? That uh, tenor is off on another excursion. Let us all go in the garden. <laughs> You're not fond of tenors, Dr. Rinaldi. There are tenors and tenors. Uh, like I say, hey, where is Ferguson? Well, I thought she came with us. I see you two don't know, Fergie. You mean she stayed inside? There are such things as orders. The devil take orders. Three of us cannot go wandering about here in the garden. Orders or no orders. Frederico, you go find that nice Miss Ferguson. What? She's your guest, not mine. What? But, Dr. Rinaldi, you did invite her. Very well. I will get her, but I come back. She must not disappoint Frederico. So you're the one Ferguson mustn't disappoint. That's how Rinaldi planned it. You want it that way? No. <sighs> then I'm glad Peggy walked out. And I'm glad you helped send Rinaldi after her. Did I? I'd like to think of it that way. I'm afraid it's a fact. It wasn't very kind of me. It was perfect. <laughs> oh, I refuse to argue with you. It'd spoil everything. Oh, it's a wonderful night. You helped to make it even more wonderful. You know how to use words. And we do seem fated to meet one another, don't we? Yes. Thank my lucky star. Oh, but Rinaldi will come back and bring Ferguson with him. Suppose they don't find us. Great. Babes lost in the woods. Yes. Babes who don't want to be found. See, that's an idea. We'll walk off into the darkness. And hope we find light. You ready to start? Yes. I may be an idiot, but I'm ready. Don't you think we ought to get back now? Why? No one will find us yet. You seem to have found this place without difficulty. <clears throat> well, I, uh, uh, I was guided. Uh, you know, I've never been here before, honestly. <laughs> I want to believe you. I want to believe all the things you've been saying to me. I meant every word. Somehow, I'm not sure I know exactly what it is, but you're not like the others. 
What do you mean? Well, just having him near me. People who don't know war would call it foolish, I suppose. But war does make a difference. It makes things happen faster. You do understand. There isn't time to delay when lives hang in the balance. No time for delay. That's it. You're an American, aren't you? Yes. What are you doing in the Italian army? Oh, it's not really the army. It's only the ambulance corps. But why did you do it? I don't know. Why did you? I think to forget. But it hasn't worked out as I hoped it might. I, I don't seem to forget. Can you tell me what? I've never told anyone. What is it you haven't been able to forget? The man I was to marry. Oh. Well, where is he now? Dead. I'm sorry. He was killed in the Somme. We... We grew up together. And why didn't you marry? I didn't know then what war was like. If I had it to do over again, I... You would have married him. Yes. When I joined up, I remember I had the silly idea that he might come to the hospital where I was. With a saber cut, I suppose, and a bandage on his head. Something picturesque. This is a picturesque front, not France. He didn't have a saber cut. They blew him to pieces. What are you thinking about? You. I'm glad, Frederick. No one could be close to you like this with, without feeling the wonder of it. Doesn't seem as if war was within a hundred years of us. It isn't. It doesn't seem to be any yesterday. No tomorrow. Nothing but just this one moment. And that's all that counts. Catherine. Please, don't. But I'd like to. No, please. But I want to kiss you. Thanks. I didn't mean to slap you like that. I'm sorry. I, I just couldn't stand the nurse's evening off aspect of it. Did I hurt you? I think you rather helped me. I'm ashamed of myself. But you are beautiful. And I'm mad about you. Tomorrow morning I go up to the front. If a shallow got me and you never saw me again. No. Don't say it. Why not? Because I love you, too. Then? I love you, Frederick. Early the following morning, in a corridor of the hospital, Rinaldi, dressed for the operating room, walks quickly toward an open door. As he's about to enter, Frederick bars his way. Rinaldi. Baby, why did you return? I forgot something. One hour ago, I, I, I wished you got speed from my window, and here you are back again. Where's Catherine? Catherine, I see now. You were making progress while I was hunting for that stupid Ferguson. Well, I drove off without saying a word to Catherine. I can't go that way. I don't want to. Where is she? She's on duty. I'll find her. Such things are not permitted. Oh, come now, baby. You know that. Well, I'm going up to the front, Benali. I may come back and I may not. They may cart me into you so you can take my heart out, hold it in your hand, and tell someone how beautiful it was. Do not talk like a fool. Oh, we don't know what will happen. I'm going to... Oh, there she is. Catherine. Catherine. Frederick. What's wrong? Miss Barclay dropped the tray with the patient's breakfast on it. That is all that is wrong at the moment. Catherine, you're all right, aren't you? Well, yes, I'm all right. Well, I... I came to... Uh, well, I thought that... Uh, well, you see, I'm going to be away for a while, and well, I didn't want you to think that... 
that I'd just gone away. No. What I mean is that, uh, well, I'd hate to have you think it, that, that it wasn't important to me about us. Uh, I don't exactly know how to say it. You said it very nicely, dear. Thank you. Have you be gone long? Only a few days. There's going to be an offensive up above the Piave. Nothing much, I guess. An offensive? Oh, you'll be careful, won't you? I won't get hit. But you ought to have something to protect you. I'd like you to have something of mine. Here. Here, take this, Frederick. Your locket? It's a St. Anthony. They say a St. Anthony will guard you from harm. I'll take care of him for you. Take care of yourself, Frederick. Darling, I... Not here. Goodbye, dear. I'll be waiting for you. Goodbye. Baby, you are a fool. So long, Rinaldi. If my heart must be cut out, I hope you'll do it. Get out, you wild devil. Stop worrying, Benelli. But they lay down the barrage. It isn't going to harm us any. I have St. Anthony with me. Her St. Anthony, Benelli. I won't get hit. Please come into the dugout. You are driving me crazy. Please, for her sake. All right, all right. Go in yourself, Bert. Hey, it is getting a little nasty. Here, I dropped the tent flap. It throws out some of the sound. There. Hey, we better eat something. There won't be much time once the attack starts. Try this spaghetti, Tonente. Thanks. It does not taste so bad when you wash it down with some of the wine, eh? Drop that flap and come in, Piano. Something to eat, eh? Have they started to move up yet? See, si, Tenente. Who's attacking? Just Liari. Well, what does it matter? Whoever goes, they never come back again. Have some wine. If no one would attack, the war would be over. But someone always attacks. It's not now. Hey, that was a big one. 420. Oh, you are a fool, Bonelli. And you never get anything right. It was 305. Sounded like a Skoda to me. Skoda? That's what I... <laughs> They're fighting a range. That one was close. They think we had better leave. And when we leave, <laughs> go well. Yeah, there's nothing can harm us. St. Anthony. Benelli. Benelli. Tenente. Are you safe? Benelli. They got me. There's a joke to go this way. And I just said... Look at him. <laughs> Lieutenant Frederick Henry, lacerations of the scalp and possible fracture of the skull, multiple superficial wounds of the left and right thigh, left and right knee and right foot, profound wounds of right foot and knee, incurred in line of duty. How do you feel, baby? Who's that? You did not know me? Look. Oh, oh Rinaldi. What are you doing here? The Major let me come. No one shall hurt you, baby. No butcher is going to touch my war, brother. Only Rinaldi can take you and not hurt you. You must forgive me for talking so much, baby. I am very unhappy to see you wounded. Did you take my heart out yet? Not yet. Maybe soon. Nurse, you fix those instruments? Yes, sir. How did it happen, baby? I will see that you are decorated for bravery. Perhaps we can get you the bronze medal. Did you carry someone on your back? If you did, I will get you the silver one. Oh, oh, no, I didn't carry anyone. I couldn't move. But there was something heroic. Tell me what you did. Was blown up eating spaghetti. Well, it does not matter. I will get you the silver one anyway. Nurse, 
The ether. Shall I administer it? Yes. Now. Wait. Wait, Rinaldi. Where is Catherine? Don't worry, baby. I will fix you so you will be as good as new. You will see. Every day I learn to do things smoother, quicker. Catherine. I'm Catherine. Breathe deeply. You will soon be asleep. No, I I tell you, Rinaldi, I want Catherine. I won't be able to get well unless I have her. I tell you. Do not try to sit up. Where do you think you will go from here? To the Italian hospital where they have male nurses with beards? Oh, no. I am your friend. Rinaldi, tell me where Catherine is. She has been transferred to Milano. Then nothing matters to me. But it must matter, baby. You are going to get well. I have arranged it. You too go to Milano. Are you telling me the truth? Yes. Turn on your eater. I will be left here all alone with the war. Breathe deep, baby. No one to lend me money. And you there in Milano. Catherine. More ether. I'll, I'll be seeing you, darling. All right. We are ready. The scalpel. said he'd pull me through, and he did. You seem tired yourself. I, I am tired, but I have no right to be. You had the war discussion. Oh, no, my son, but I hate war. I don't enjoy it. You do not mind it. You do not see it. Oh, you, you must forgive me. I know you are wounded. Still, even wounded, you do not see it. I can tell. Come in. Hello, Catherine. Hello, darling. Good evening, Father. Miss Catherine... Uh, you do not think I am tiring him? Oh, no. He's strong. He's got such a lovely temperature. It's always normal. I'm awfully proud of his temperature, Father. Yes. Maybe all our children will have fine temperatures, too. <laughs> our children will probably have beastly temperatures. Oh, my daughter. My son. Oh, don't mind us, Father. We're in love. Oh, I know. I could see it in your faces, but you spoke of children. Without war... You would live married in the grace of God. Is it not so? Why, yes. And you, my dear? Yes, Father. Then you shall be married. Now. Regina, where I think we are in the Father. understand that army regulations prevent us from marrying. They send Catherine home. Oh, but why shouldn't she go home? She'd be far better off. Shh. Poor cat. Our marriage, Frederick. It's a crazy marriage, darling. It's real. And at least I'm in white. No orange blossoms? I can smell them. No organ music. I can hear it plainly. And do you, Frederico, take Catherine for your lovely wedded wife? I do, Father. And do you, Catherine, take Frederico for your lawfully wedded husband? I do. Then I, I pronounce you man and wife. And from my heart I can say, bless you in his name. Thank you, Father. In times such as these, 
Man-made rules are not as important as the laws of the father. Let me look at you, Catherine. I'm happy, Father. I see that in your eyes. Goodbye. I will come again next time I am in Milano. Give my regards to everyone, Father. I will. Goodbye, my dear. Goodbye, Father. God have mercy on you. Catherine. Married. You and I. Married. You love me? I adore you. I love you. So nothing else matters. There's nothing in the world can keep us apart now. Who the devil can that be? It can't be the father. Get behind the door. But if anyone found me... No one's going to find you. Come in. Well, Ferguson, welcome. You don't need to try any of your blandishments on me. Has Catherine been here? I wish she would come here. She's a fool when she's near you. Now, An absolute featherbrain. The more she has to do with you, the less good will come of it. Fergie. And let me tell you one thing more. War or no war, let Catherine alone. If you don't, you'll have me to answer to. Now, I hope you sleep well with that on your mind. (laughs) (laughs) Poor Fergie. Oh, she'll live through it all right. You know, it's a lot of fun teasing her. Her nose does such weird tricks. (laughs) Good night, dear. Good night? No. But I've got to go back to court. Oh, just a little while, please. Sit close to me. Frederick. Yes? How many other girls have you loved? None. How many? Really? None. You're lying to me. Of course. It's all right. You just keep right on lying. That's what I want you to do. Were they very pretty? No one in the whole world but you is pretty. But what were they like? I don't know anything about it. And I don't care anything about it. You're just mine. That's true. Mine. Darling. And you never belong to anyone else. But I don't care if you have. I'm not afraid of them. But don't tell me about them. Ever. something, signora? A ticket to Switzerland, please. Oh, but to where, signora? What town? The nearest one to Italy. Ah, uh, that would be Brissago. Then that's the ticket I want. Catherine! Catherine Barclay! Fergie. Oh, Fergie. What on earth are you up to? I hoped you might come. Oh, you knew darn well I would after I found your letter. What do you mean by leaving instructions that no one was to tell that fool ambulance driver of yours that you'd run away? Well, he's, he's up at the front again, Fergie. That's and... nothing new. He's been there for months. I didn't want to worry. Don't bother your head about that. <laughs> War doesn't make men worry about anything but themselves. Do you mind telling me what it's all about? I'm going away. So I gathered, but where? Why? I'm going to Switzerland so my baby can be born without guns all around him. You're... Your baby. Our baby. I said that no good would come but of it. But, Fergie, he's my husband. And now war hasn't even cheated us out of a baby. And you're going alone. Oh, I'm not afraid. Bringing a baby into the world isn't anything. Well, millions of other women have had babies. But he mustn't know. Yet. I'll write to him from Switzerland. He won't tell him yet. Promise. The train leaves, Signora. You're running away. But I'm running away to happiness, Fergie. The greatest happiness I've ever known. Goodbye, Fergie. Catherine! Goodbye. 
calls for station identification. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System. This is KNX Los Angeles, the voice of Hollywood. A Farewell to Arms continues, starring Clark Gable, Josephine Hutchinson, and Adolf Monjou. Months have crawled by since Catherine and trained for Switzerland. Months during which she's written daily letters to Frederick, but has received no answer. We find the American in his quarters near the front. In the garish light of a kerosene lamp, he sits at a crude table, writing... Rinaldi paces back and forth impatiently. Hurry, baby, hurry. It is time to go. Go where? What I told you before. The Villa Rosa. Ah, you will find things there to make you forget the war. New girls, all brunettes. Everybody is going. Not me. But, baby, you must. It will be a fine party. Besides, I said you would go. I can't. I want to finish this letter. To your frozen English girl in Milano who never answers? Every day, nothing but letters. You might as well be married. That's my business. Oh, baby, how you have come back to me. Serious, like a shopkeeper. And with a liver. Where is my war brother who used to be so gay with me? And go to the Villa Rosa every night. Oh, leave me alone, will you? Why, is she not uh, just a girl? Keep her out of this. So, a sacred subject. Believe me, baby, sacred subjects are not for soldiers. Be like me. All fire and smoke, but nothing inside. I said I wasn't going. Come on, baby. I said to leave me alone. You can call me your friend. Why in heaven's name can't you let a friend alone when he asks you to? Now clear out. Oh, I do not like that, baby. Then let me alone. I think that is a good idea. Next time you are wounded, I will take out your liver and put you in a good Italian liver and make you a man again. I will teach him a lesson. No woman can come between friends. Orderly. Signore Capitano. What is it that you have? The mail? Si, signore. It just came. Let me see. <laughs> Tenente Frederick Henry from Switzerland. So, hand me the stamp. Si, Capitano. Return to sender. Rejected by censor. Send it back. Oh, Capitano. Uh... Send back all letters for Tenente Henry from that address. Sacred subjects are forbidden. Si, Capitano. They give aid and comfort to the enemy. Stop staring at me. Send it back. Send it back. Sit down, Father. It's nice to see you again. Thank you, my boy. Oh, but you have changed so. You are not my Federico. Is there anything wrong? No word, Father. From Catherine. Not a line. I've wrote every day to the letter to the hospital in Milan. She's never answered me. Oh, that's very strange. Something has happened to her. I know it. Have you tried? I've tried everything. I can't get any information at all. I've got to find her myself. I'm going to Milan. Oh, but my son leaves of absence are forbidden since the battle began. I'm going anyway. But that is desertion. I don't care. I'm going. But you will be caught. Oh, Federico, you must not do this. What does war mean to me anymore? What does anything mean but finding her? You remember that night in the hospital? I remember, my son. You married us that night, Father. But, Federico, consider... I consider her only. Something has happened to her. Something serious. She needs me. I'm going to Milan and no one can stop me. Oh, may the kind Father protect you. When... When do you go? Now. The others are at dinner. By morning, when they miss me, I'll be halfway to Milan. (laughs) 
And so, beloved, before very long, I will have wonderful news for you. God protect you and keep you. I do wish you would write. Come in. Oh, is there any mail, Rudolph? Fresh the soup. Good, warm soup. My wife made it for you. Mmm, that does smell good. There is no better soup maker in Switzerland, though I myself say so. Just put it here on the table. And bread. She made that too. The soup, it is right? It's delicious. Ah, there's more where it comes from. How long since you eat? Oh, I, uh, I haven't been hungry. Because your stomach says so or your purse. You have lost 20 pounds since you came to us. Well, I lose weight in winter. Ah, you do not lie well. Some things go badly, no? It isn't always easy. The heart can be so lonely. Yes. It is the way, Signora. My wife was the same way, singing with the happiness of a bird one moment. That's it. Black as a pit the next moment. Yes, and pits can be so black. But I won't have to wait very much longer. A day, two days, perhaps three than happiness. Yes. All the wonder of life for my very own. I'm a little bit frightened sometimes when I think of it. Please, you eat the soup. All alone, waiting for someone to come to me, wondering what he'll be like, a little afraid that... Ah, the trouble is you, you do not know. You should be strong, and you are not as strong as a newborn baby. You who are to bring one into the world. Oh, pardon it is your business, not mine. Thanks. An old fool can be a very great old fool when his tongue is not watched. Look, here are your letters. Letters? You brought me letters? Yes. But why didn't you tell See me? See a great package of them. They were tied in a bundle. Oh, let me have them quick. Ah, ah, now there's light in your eyes. At last his letters reach here. I told you they would come. Oh! Signora, what is wrong? These are my letters. What? All mine. Return to sender, rejected by censor. My letters. Nothing but mine. He hasn't received one. We will send them again. Suppose he sent them back. No, no, he could not do that. Oh, Ferguson said war made men think of nothing but themselves. Ah, you're making things up out of your mind because it is tired. War has a way of playing evil jokes, Signora. It is like a jealous person who takes from us. Takes. Takes. That's what it's done. Taken. That's why he hasn't written. That's why my letters come back. There's no one to receive them. There's no one to write to me. He's gone. Gone. He's dead. Signora. Signora. Oh, Marta, Marta, come up here. Signora has fallen. Where have you been, baby? Two days you disappear like a smoke. I look for you. Where is baby, I say? Where is he gone? I went to Milan. Oh, so? She wasn't there. I asked everyone. They don't know where she is. Or if they do, they're not telling me. She... She was going to have a baby. Fergie told me that much. A baby? Hmm. Too bad. Well, tomorrow we move up front again. That will make you forget. For I'm not while. moving up front with you, Rinaldi. I'm through with war. But you cannot just stop and say I am through with war. They will not let you do it. If they arrest you, no one can say. I realize all that. They will shoot you. Get this through your head. I'm not going back. I'm going to find Catherine Barkley. 
He's going to have a baby. My baby. I'm going to find her. And nothing you can say will change that. But... But to suppose that she is no longer Anita. What made you say that? Only because... Uh, you know where she is? Yes, baby. Where? Switzerland, in Brissago. How do you know that? Believe me, baby, it is true. Brissago? About 35 kilometers. There will be sentries at the frontier. I know. And you will have to watch out for patrol boats. I'll make it. Here, you may need this money. Take it. You're a good egg, Rinaldi. No, I am a bad egg, baby. But I did not know you... You felt this way about her. You see, baby, I knew at the time where she was. What? I saw by the postmark on her letters, the ones I, I sent back to her. You fool, Rinaldi. You poor, blundering fool. I am sorry, baby. I did not... Shut up! You. I ought to strangle you. But I'll take your money because I need it. I will be lonely without you, baby. You? <laughs> you will write to me. Oh, sure. Maybe my letters will come back, too. Goodbye, Federico. Don't forget... He will never come back. Never. Curse all wars and women. Who is it? Don't break down the door. This is Switzerland, not war. Well, what do you want? Miss Catherine Barclay, where is she? I don't know. She's gone. That's all I can tell you. She ran away when we wanted to help her. But this is where she lived. Ferguson told me it's where she lived. Who are you? What business is it of yours? So, the soldier who never took the time to write Where her, is she gone? Letting her sit here alone, growing weaker and weaker. Shut up. There's a hospital here. Eight squares to the left and then three to the right. She might be dead now. No. No, she's not dead. She she's may be. Dead. She may fall Barclay. Do you realize you're dripping water all over the floor? What difference does that make? Is Catherine Barclay here? Yes, she is. Why? I'm her husband. You don't have to look at me like that. I came here as quickly as I could after I found out where she was. How... How is she? Dr. Peters will tell you. He's in with her now. I'll wait until he comes out. But she is all right, isn't she? We don't know. Yet. But people don't die in childbirth nowadays. Some do. She won't die. She's just having a bad time. After it's all over, she'll say it wasn't bad at all. Well, that's what we all hope for. But what reason is there for to die? It's just a child that has to be born and makes trouble and is born, and then you look after it and, and get to love it. Nurse. Oh. Oh, doctor. This is the husband. Is... Is there any danger, doctor? She's very weak. Weak? Yes. Weak. The baby? A boy. But he was dead. Oh. But she'll be all right. Uh, it's not in my hands any longer. Don't let her die. Oh, God. Please don't let her die. I'll do anything for her if you don't let her die. You took the boy. That was all right. Oh, please, God. Don't let her die. You wish to go in? Please. All right. Through this door. I'll be just as quiet as you can.
Oh, it did come. Don't try to move, darling. I, I knew you were coming. You'll be all right, Kevin. I know you'll be all right. When my letters came back, I thought you were dead. I kept on thinking you were dead until last night. Then I knew you were coming. I kept calling to you. It was all Rinaldi's fault. He didn't know. He took your letters and sent them back again. Every one of them. Well, that is the reason. Yes. Yes, I didn't receive one. It wasn't until two days ago he told me where you were. And all the time I'd been writing to Milan and my letters had been coming back. Because you weren't there. It's all very clear. When you understand everything. Isn't it? Yes, dear. You do love me. You've been listening to Ernest Hemingway's A Farewell to Arms, adapted to radio by Cecil B. DeMille for the Lux Radio Theater from 1937 with Clark Gable. Just a note that there are two movie adaptions that I know of, uh, the first being the original movie adaption of the book with Gary Cooper from 1932, and then, in 1957, an adaption starring Rock Hudson. And although Hudson and Cooper were good, I think I really prefer Clark Gable in this role. Uh, amazing actor. I've always liked Clark, uh, Clark Gable. And so this is like, who's going to play in the best... I got to go with Clark Gable over Cooper and over Rock Hudson. Alas, though, that is it for this edition of the Shot and Shield Supercast. I'd like to thank you for listening and helping grow the program over the past year. 
This is the one-year anniversary of this podcast after being revamped. And there have been so many great questions and, and guests, and we've covered so many cool topics. You've all been very kind in your encouragement. And all I have left to say is thank you and that you've been listening in Glasgow, Scotland, Istanbul, Turkey, and in Melbourne, Australia. This has been the Shot and Shield Supercast, a podcast dedicated to colonial 19th century history and wargaming, a podcast meant to be listened to as you paint your figs and build your terrain. I am the Archduke Scott of the Connet of Florida. I'm out. This has been a production of the Experience 13 Podcast Network. 13! Your electricity.